This episode is presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. For tickets for an upcoming game or concert, visit TicketKingOnline.com or a quick link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. TicketKingOnline.com, 612-341-4141. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. Squeezing in one more scoop podcast before the weekend approaches. It's a chance to catch up with Mike Muscala of Roseville High School. He re-signed with the Atlanta Hawks. It's a chance to catch up with Bruce Boudreaux, wild head coach. Also owner. He'll tell us about some ownership he's a part of, an ownership group of a new hockey team coming to town specifically Coon Rapids. Plus, I may track down Mike Gensel to review Jake Gensel's day with the Stanley Cup on Thursday. I was at the Health East Sports Center in Woodbury Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon. It was a sight to behold, and there was more of a private event at Stone Ridge on Thursday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening. But certainly Mike can recap the hectic day, a fun day, but a hectic day. First, the sponsor of the Scoop Podcast, it is Vine Park Brewery, vinepark.com online. They are right off of West 7th Street in downtown St. Paul. They are active on Twitter at vine underscore park underscore brew. The Twin Cities we know has become a craft beer haven, but why don't you see how Vine Park's brewing chops stack up by swinging into Vine Park Brewing, the only brewery in the Midwest where you can brew your own beer, and here's the kicker, make your own wine. Brew your own beer or wine, you take it home in 22-ounce bottles, it's perfect for gifts, perfect for sharing, they have custom labels, it's perfect for parties, for corporate events, they have the right recipe for you, whether it's pale ales, IPAs, brown ales, porters, stouts, lagers, pilsners, box, wheats, they will take good care of you. Vinepark.com again online, or the phone number, 651 651- Two two eight one three five five. Vine Park, nice enough to take care of the Scoop podcast to keep the podcast going. I'm telling you, the podcast doesn't exist without fine folks like those at Vine Park, specifically owner Andy. Let's start with Mike Muscala, Roseville High School Bucknell, second round pick a few years ago of the Atlanta Hawks, became an unrestricted free agent for the first time. Just a couple weeks ago, had many suitors, ends up re-signing with the Hawks, a two-year deal for $10 million. The second year, a player option. So if Mike wants to re-enter the free agent market next summer, he will have that option. Here is Mike Muscala. Mike, just take us, let's, I guess, rewind a couple weeks. I mean, I guess the night of, what, July 1st. I mean, was your phone ringing off the hook? What was what was the free agency process like? Lay it out for us. Um, you know, my first experience with it, so um, definitely interesting. I think this year's fantasy uh, went a lot different than last year's, you know, so um, it's kind of a different experience, but I was on the phone a lot with my agent. He's just trying to give me updates as much as possible. Um, and ultimately, I made a great choice, I think. I'm really excited for, uh, for the next few years. Were you one, Mike, that was on the phone a lot with your agent, Sean Kennedy? Were you curious, okay, is this team calling? Is this team making an offer? Or was it one of those deals where you said, hey, Sean, call me when there's a firm offer that I have to make a decision on? Yeah, it was kind of a little mix of both. Sometimes um, there weren't there weren't a lot of updates to give, but other times, um, you know, we had to seriously talk about some stuff. So, um, you know, I think we did a good job communicating, and when it came down to make the decision, I'm uh, really happy with how it went. 
ultimately you end up with a two-year deal going back to Atlanta. How how important, though, was, was the second year being a player option? So if you want, you can go through this process again next summer if you so choose. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. You know, I think uh, my agent, like Sean, uh, was um, – you know, he kind of structured that and thought that was a good idea to put it in, that in there. So, um, and I'm just looking forward to this next season and then just going from there. But obviously excited to be back in Atlanta and um, kind of just excited for the, the whole process to be done with. Um, it's just a little stressful, you know, for me and my fiance, but um, we're happy now. So that's good. I mean, when we talked at your basketball camp a couple of weeks ago at Concordia St. Paul, I mean, you said, hey, it'll be interesting, but ultimately I'd like to I'd like to be back in Atlanta. I really enjoy my time in Atlanta. So I guess in the end, did everything work out about as, as well as you could have expected? Yeah, I think so. Uh, like I said, I think this summer was a lot different than last year. So um, I think you know, there's kind of, uh, you know, some ups and downs there in terms of that. But all things being said, uh, I'm really happy, like I said, to be back in Atlanta. And obviously I know the organization very well in the city um that's where my fiance is from as well so we're really excited um you know finalizing a place to stay for this next year there and then uh i'm just gonna kind of spend as much more time as we can in minnesota before it's sports go time do you have any sense any read on why the market shifted so much i mean i get it last year every team i mean the cap goes up what like 20 25 million so guys like luol dang are getting four years 70 million i mean no way in a million years, would a guy like that get anywhere near seventy million this summer? But there were still a lot of teams with cap space. Is there a sense that some of these teams are just waiting until next summer? Maybe. I know. I think that's kind of what I what I gathered. I mean, I think that yeah, it's a combination of last year just you know, being that huge change, and then I think the cap this year was supposed to be another nine million dollars higher, I believe, um, and then just kind of you know the dynamic throughout the NBA. I think so. I don't know. I mean, I think there's just kind of like a perfect storm in that sense. And I think everyone just had really high expectations after last summer, too. So, um, you know, just kind of had a deal out with my agent, just, you know, talking through what makes the most sense and coming to terms with what the, what the situation was, you know, and um, just trying to make the best decisions moving forward um, for my career, not just, you know, for a, for a shorter period of time, but what we think would be best um, overall. I mean, overall, I mean, you think about it, Mike. I mean, heck, you always believed in your abilities, but when you're a second-round pick like you were a few years ago, no guarantees that you're still in the league five years later. Now you're in the league, and now you have, you know, whether it's a two-year, you know, firm commitment or it's a one-year, I mean, it's your call, but you have some sort of, at least to a degree, long-term security. I mean, all things considered, pretty cool, you know, from where you were just a few years ago. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. and Definitely, I mean, that was always... I was my goal after getting drafted is to get that second contract, and, and now the another goal, you know, shifts again. So um, I don't know. I think, uh, like you said, yeah, you know, coming kind of being a second round pick, and obviously I always believed in myself, but it is cool, you know, to to get to this point, and definitely motivating as well. And um, I'm just excited for the season. I'm excited to get back to get back playing. I've been watching a lot of summer league games on TV, so it's kind of <laughs> giving me the itch to get back out there. But you know, trying to trying to be patient and do it the right way but definitely uh definitely glad the decision's over when you get back out there you'll have a number of new teammates i mean the atlanta hawks are remaking their roster yeah no i know a lot of new faces and um obviously wish all the guys the best um i miss a lot of them and i saw a couple of them at uh I saw paul and and tim at uh ken Baszler's wedding um this summer so it was cool to see them but 
yeah, it's going to be a lot different, but um, you know, I'm excited and go out and, um, and show what we can do, you know, me personally and as a team. I mean, are you one to track, like, whether it's social media or you name the website? Like, you know, a couple of days ago, the Hawks get Deadman from San Antonio. You know, he's a big man, so he's a guy you'll be in the court with or compete, you know, for playing time with. And then Ilya Sova. Like every other day, it seems like the Hawks are doing something or some teams doing something. Are you one to to pay a lot of attention to those moves? I was um, before I before I agreed to this deal, and I just wanted to know what was going on in the league. And I'd be lying if I still don't check here and there. But I think at this point now, it's just kind of like focusing back on my game. And um, you know, it's just like the summer's a crazy time, and it is fun to follow and check hoops hype and Twitter and stuff all the time to see where guys are going. But after after a while, it just becomes kind of a distraction for me, so I try not to try to overdo that, you know. But definitely it's good to know what um, the news is in terms of where guys are going and stuff. When you say you're working on your game, specifically, what are you working on this summer? Um, continuing to shoot a lot of, lot of threes, get, feel good about that. Um, I think, you know, working on some some go-to moves, um, some things to create my own shot, um, and just doing those like game speed, not trying to do too much but just have a few things that i can that go to and um just couldn't get in good shape trying to get stronger and just use the time i have um to really work on my body since you know once the season starts it's a lot of travel and it's kind of hard to, to build anything at that point so do you work with a specific trainer do you work out on your own how do those workouts go in the summer they've been good yeah i worked out with um, a couple of different trainers and uh they've been good it's been good to be at home in minnesota as well and uh, get some some time to land at 10,000 lakes. That's uh, I was missing that the last few years. So it's been a good relaxing summer, but also um, you know been a good summer work-wise too. How has your position evolved even in the last few years? When we're talking about you know the stretch four, even now a stretch five, right? I mean, you can get time at the center position. You know, we could call you a stretch five. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's uh, the, the game's changed, and um, you know, I think if there's always you value and a big man who can space the floor and can pick and pop and can uh be able to give the guards some room to penetrate and some guys to be able to cut on the backside but um and i still think i can i can do that but i can also do a good job you know picking and rolling too and passing and finishing out of that so um and I, yeah i think the the shooting obviously is is kind of like the the new thing now for for big guys in the nba but um it's not just about that you know i wanted to continue try to be a well-rounded player but obviously not losing that either even though you said you weren't necessarily paying as much attention, you know, after you re-signed with Atlanta, have you tracked the the hometown team, seeing all the moves that the Wolves have made? Oh yeah, yeah, I know it's um, that's it's going to be uh, it's quite the the lineup they got right now. Um, obviously, uh, you know, happy for Jeff, and um, it'll be fun to watch them play for sure. What was it like playing with Jeff in Atlanta? Uh, it was great. It's really. Really great player, player, um, underrated passer, I think, and uh, can definitely score. So um, it's fun to play with. And then I would think in the Eastern Conference, you certainly had a few battles against Taj Gibson. I imagine he's a load. Yeah, he's definitely a physical guy for sure. Yeah. And then correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Your fiance is from Atlanta. Yeah, she's from north of Atlanta. All right. So I mean, I guess she has to be pretty happy with with the move. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she, uh, her parents are too, and um, you know, we we both are. It's uh, it's home for us. It's our second home, and um, you know, it's it's nice to know where 
all the shops are and where we can get our food and stuff. All that stuff that kind of adds up to figure out when you move into a new city and um, obviously being back with the fans and everything. So my teammates and coaches. So all in all, like we're, we're both really happy. When's the big wedding day? Uh, next July. Okay, so you got a little bit of time to plan everything out. Imagining yeah. you sort of just defer to her on a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I try to be involved too. She wants me to be involved, so you know, I try to do a little bit, a little bit of both. Very nice, Mike. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Enjoy your time here in Minnesota before you head back to Atlanta. We always appreciate your time. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Those first 24 hours of free agency, I'm told, the Wolves, Mavs, Cavs, Wizards, Pacers, and Miami reached out on Mike. But as Mike said on a recent Scoop podcast, I don't remember if it was 78, 79, 80, sometime in the last few weeks when I was at his basketball camp, Mike said his just about his top priority was to re-sign with the Hawks. So all worked out well. For Roseville's Mike Muscala, other NBA Shabazz Muhammad had the note on Twitter, D Wolfson KSTP, that the Bulls are among the teams in on him. Orlando as well, though Orlando is now out on Shabazz after signing Jonathan Simmons to a three-year, $20 million deal. Simmons has fans with the Wolves. You think about Scott Layden's history with the Spurs, Brian Pauga's history with the Spurs. Trust me, the Wolves are fans of Jonathan Simmons. They could never make the money work. He was never coming here for the vet minimum. You can see what he got. Three years, $20 million. He wasn't coming here for $2 million or something less than that. On Shabazz, Mark Spears of ESPN adds the Knicks, the Nets. Heck, we've talked about actually the Nets going back to the trade deadline. The Nets have been fans of Shabazz for a while. Atlanta, there's a few teams. Milwaukee poking around on Shabazz. But I can certainly add that Chicago, keep an eye on Chicago. Chicago certainly has some interest in the former Timberwolf, Shabazz Muhammad. Same deal. I've been asked a lot on Twitter. Hey, what about Shabazz Muhammad back with the Wolves? He is not taking a veteran minimum contract from the Wolves anytime soon. Now, if he's still on the open market, August 20th, September 1st, that's a different story. But on July 14th, July 13th, as we tape this Scoop podcast, no way, no how Shabazz Muhammad returning to Minnesota for the veteran minimum. Other Wolves notes a league source tells me somebody close to Luke Bamute tells me that Jamal Crawford, the featured guest on the last Scoop podcast, tells me that Jamal Crawford has reached out to Luke Bamute. I still say the issue there is, my sense is from this person that is close to Bamute, that Bamute is not quite ready to take a veteran minimum offer from the Wolves. But would the Wolves welcome Luke Bamute with open arms if he said yes to the veteran minimum? Absolutely, but something to keep an eye on. Jamal obviously close with Luke Bamute from their days together with the L.A. Clippers. This might be a repeat from the last Scoop podcast, but I'll go down the list again of some free agents the Wolves have been in contact with. Mike Dunleavy Jr., although same deal, he is not taking the vet minimum here anytime soon. If he's still available in three, four, five, six weeks, that's a different conversation. Gerald Green, he would be open to a veteran minimum deal here right now. The Wolves have not made an offer yet. Randy Foy, the Wolves have not made him an offer, but he would be open to a veteran minimum contract here. Also, guys like Aaron Brooks, C.J. Watson, Ian Clark. Ian Clark right now not open to a veteran minimum deal here in Minnesota. But again, if he's still on the open market in four or five weeks, different conversation. John Jenkins would take a veteran minimum contract here. He's a shooter on the Wolves' radar. Donald Sloan would take that deal here. He's a point guard among many point guards on the Wolves' radar. Isaiah Cannon, I'm told Taj Gibson and Jimmy Butler put in good words for Isaiah, teammates with Isaiah in Chicago. It was Cannon's camp 
that reached out to the Wolves. The Wolves did not reach out on Cannon. It was Cannon's camp calling the Wolves to see if they had any interest. Also on the Wolves, still nothing on Aaron Aflalo or Leandro Barbosa. You would think that both guys could make some sense here, but I'm told as of Friday afternoon, the Wolves have not touched base on those two free agents. The Wolves have not asked about David Lee. I've been asked about that on Twitter. They were not in on Ilya Sova, who got one year, $8 million from the Atlanta Hawks. They've touched base on Rodney Stuckey, but he's not a guy that's coming here today or tomorrow on a veteran minimum contract, maybe in a few weeks. Although even then, that seems like a long shot. I don't see Rodney Stuckey here. Shooter Anthony Morrow is another free agent the Wolves have been in contact with. Pretty regular contact, but I'm told no offer as of yet, but he would be a guy that would be open to a veteran minimum offer. Although he's still a guy that's looking for a bit more. I mean, that's the issue. A lot of these free agents feel like they can do a bit better, but would circle back to Minnesota in a couple weeks. Chase Budinger is looking to get back in the NBA. I'm told his camp has reached out to the Wolves. It was not the Wolves reaching out to his camp. Right now, it doesn't look like the Wolves have some interest, but we'll keep an eye on that one. Eventually, the Wolves will hand out two of those two-way contracts. I would surely keep an eye on some of the other guys. I mean, you think about Tom Thibodeau. He's been courtside for just about every game in Vegas, so it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll do it with Anybody that's on their summer league roster, but maybe a different roster. But on Clark from Dayton, he's been very oppressive in Vegas. I'm told the Wolves are considering offering him a two-way contract, but that he already has other two-way contract offers. And there is a goal from his camp to see if he can just get a standard rookie contract, that he doesn't have to sign a two-way deal. But signs point to him signing a two-way deal, but the Wolves are not among the teams that have made that offer as of Friday afternoon. Hey guys, this is Manny Hill. And I'm Derek James. We are the Raised by Wolves podcast. You can check us out, of course, at 1500ESPN.com. You can search us on iTunes, and you can check us out, of course, at Podcast One. We talk Timberwolves, we talk music, we'll talk food a little bit once in a while, but uh, mainly talk basketball and, and a little bit of music as well. So check us out. You can find us, of course, iTunes, Podcast One, 1500ESPN.com, the Raised by Wolves podcast. On the former Michigan State big man, Costello, he's had a decent run in Vegas for the Wolves. I know there's some interest from some teams in Europe, some NBA teams, no firm offers yet. He would have some interest in the Wolves, certainly more interest, if they moved Cole Aldrich. But I think he will look at other opportunities first. On the former Kansas star, Perry Ellis, here's what I am told. His camp feels like, hey, we've earned a roster spot. Make us one of your 15, although the Wolves... We'll just go to 14. They'll keep that 15th spot open. But they feel like, hey, we've played well enough. We have enough of a track record. Make us one of your 14. They would consider a two-way offer. They have not gotten a two-way offer from the Wolves yet. But the Ellis Camp would consider a two-way offer if there is some sort of guarantee of 45 days with the Wolves. I guess that's the way they value, you know, monetarily. You know, would it make sense to commit two years to the Wolves? You know, would you do a two-way deal, a two-year two-way deal with the Wolves? If you could get 45 guaranteed days in the NBA, get that NBA money, or does it make more sense to have the flexibility to bounce around? So anyway, I'm told on Perry Ellis, 45 days is the magic number. They want a 45-day guarantee on the big roster. All right, let's get to Mike Gensel. Jake Gensel's day with the Stanley Cup was on Thursday. All sorts of fun times were had. 
I think it was an emotional day, too, for Mike. So I figured I'd get on Mike Gensel. He is associate head coach of the Gopher hockey team and the father of Penguins rookie star Jake Gensel. Here is Mike. All right, Mike, a day later, I mean, you certainly had expectations. Your family had expectations. Jake had expectations what the day would be like with the Stanley Cup. But now that you've experienced it, did even those expectations maybe get exceeded? Was it just a fabulous whole day, whole night with that Stanley Cup? Yeah, it was really, you know, really cool. I mean, it was uh, really well attended. I, I don't think we could have expected any more. I mean, you never know when you uh, extend a, a invites to people what the uh, turnout's going to be. We certainly didn't know anything about what to expect at the rink yesterday, and that was overwhelming. And, um, you know, thankfully everybody got a chance to get in line and, and get the or their pictures taken, and everybody else had an opportunity to at least get up close to the cup and take a picture. So, they got through about 2,500 people there pretty quickly, and they did a great job uh, uh, at the rink with the volunteers. So that was awesome. And then last night, uh, we just had an overwhelming support from our friends and you know some of our family to, to go to Stone Ridge and uh, participate in that uh, celebration. That was really neat, and uh, it was just we were blown away by how much pe- people uh, showed appreciation and came out. It was just an awesome, awesome day for us. I mean, Mike at Bielenberg. I mean, I was there. We talked. I mean. It was unbelievable. Like the first guy in line got in line at midnight. There were people that made the trek from Pittsburgh. I was blown away by the amount of people there. Yeah, you know what? It says a lot about uh, hockey in our state. It certainly says a lot about, uh, you know, I think what Jake was able to do at the end of this year. Uh, you know, people were just fired up. I mean, that Stanley Cup brings out a lot of people, and it's just such an amazing uh, piece of hardware that people want to get up close and take a picture. and. You know, even there was probably some non-hockey people there that just had heard about this trophy and were there. Uh, but uh, it was just great. I mean, the whole community was out, and and obviously people coming from everywhere. I walked in with a guy that was a worker that was on relocation here from Pittsburgh and read uh, something on social media that yeah, in the last couple of days there was going to be an event, and boy, basically got rid of, got done with his job at noon and said, "I got to get over there." And mm-hmm. Walked in with a pen, Penguins T-shirt on, and you know, he didn't even know when he walked in that he was walking in other than it was Jake with the family or whatever, but uh, it was neat. I mean, you just seen a lot of people there that, uh, you know, certainly friends and, and people we had known in the club and, and through the days of G- Jake's youth hockey, but just to see people uh, coming from all over the metro area and, you know, people that just were, you know, so fired up to see that cup and uh, see Jake and, and be able to get a picture with it, it was a great day for everybody. Am I right that the cup got into town late? Was there some uneasiness about whether the, the plane would ever land with the cup? Yeah, there was some weather issues out east, and so, you know, that was the thing right away yesterday morning that, uh, you know, we checked right away on Delta, and and the flight was delayed, and, um, you know, that's always upsetting a little bit because you have plans, and you're on a timeline as far as uh, how much you get at that particular day, and that thing travels from day to day to different parts of, uh, you know, certainly we knew it was going to, you know, British Columbia today and, and Alberta tomorrow, so... You know, we were a stop, and we were hoping to get it, you know, for up to upwards of 13, 14 hours. And we were lucky. We got it for about 11, 12 hours, and so it worked out tremendously well. We just had to readjust our plans a little bit. But uh, I think that things that my wife wanted to do uh, before we got started with the community uh, viewing uh, all, all went off well, and we just made it up at a different time of the day. So it was great. Was it completely full circle when you walked into Bielenberg? I mean, was it just, what, seven years ago? Jake's playing in a Bantam tournament, playing for, what, Woodbury Bantams just, what, seven years ago in that very rank? 
Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, I, I certainly when you get out of youth hockey as a parent and as a as a player, you don't go back to the facility a whole lot. Now I go in and out for high school games when I'm watching uh, for recruiting purposes, but uh, haven't been in there as much. There's been a major redesign in the building, but I just can't begin to tell you how many times with three sons growing up in this community and uh, this association that we've been through those doors and onto that rink and you know, watching our kids play and, and coaching some of our, you know, me having the opportunity to coach the kids and it just, you know, to realize yesterday it was seven years ago, it doesn't seem that long. I mean, we have pictures around our house of Jake and Bantams and, you know, obviously a lot of our friends are of the, you know, that age of, you know, kids that grew up with Jake and played on his teams. And so it, it's just amazing. And this whole, you know, experience of Woodbury and then to Hill Murray and then, you know, obviously the junior hockey in Sioux City to UNO to, to now Pittsburgh. I mean, these five stops, have seen the gone by so quick before us and you know you just hope it can slow down and you can really enjoy it and it, you know but it's amazing how fast it goes can it get any better i mean i'm just trying to think mike like for a 22 year old he might play for another 15 16 17 years but could there be a better year when you think about getting the call coming up what first shift scores a goal and then all the success in the postseason i mean i can't imagine having a better season than this no, I don't think you could probably. I mean, it would be hard to top that. There's no question. I mean, to, to win the Stanley Cup in your rookie year with all the accomplishments that you had you know, had said, that, that it's incredible. I mean, it really is, and it's uh, it's hard league. And, and obviously next year Jake's going to have to, you know, deal with the adjustments people will make, make against him. And, and obviously, you know, the league will continue to get younger and better. And, um, you know, it's a really good brand of hockey. So he, he's going to have to adjust. But I don't think from a – personal standpoint you could ever probably top this i mean certainly you want to be in a position where you know they talk about the next part of your legacy or your era is to to win multiple cups and where that puts you but as far as just you know being a rookie and you know what our expectations were to what the real realization was as of yesterday was that happened for him this year it's just it's incredible and i don't think it'll be something we can ever top in our life a lifetime as far as thrills and enthusiasm that we shared with jake this year Mike, is it true whether it was you, your wife, somebody wanted Jake to go back to Omaha for another year? And I'm just trying to think. I mean, if he does, no way it plays out like this, right? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, last year in March when Jake got back from his last college game at Denver when they got beat at UNO, that, uh, you know, the call came right away from Pittsburgh from the assistant general manager that they were going to try to talk to him about moving on, and they thought he was ready for the next level and, um, you know, suggested he meet with an advisor and pick an advisor and, you know, at that point, you know, obviously our hearts start pounding a little bit more and, you know, is this the right time? I mean, I, I, as a coach and as his father, I thought he was getting close to that. I mean, the mother is more of, uh, you know, just it's her youngest and I want to be able to enjoy mm-hmm. it and I don't want it to go fast and, you know, let's just take it step by step. And you just never know when your kid steps out of college into the real world of pro- professional sports and the business side of it and, you know, all the things that you have to deal with, with, you know, players. I mean, each team has 50 contracts, and, you know, you could be a prospect one day and a suspect the next day. So, I mean, that stuff goes through your mind. But uh, you certainly want your kid to be educated and get his degree. Jake was a little short because he was only there for three years. So, I mean, there's things that go through. But my wife was more leaning towards going back because Jake was the captain as a junior, and he uh, was going to be the captain again as a senior, and she loved being a part of that parental group that uh, – organized a lot of events and you know just had a good time there in a college atmosphere in a beautiful rink in Omaha with a good coach and it was just tough to give up I mean the year before they were in the frozen four so there was a lot of good things going on at UNO at the time and 
certainly Jake having the opportunity to play four years and get his degree and continue to get better was something that my wife thought about. But I just, as we talked it through, Jake was really the decision maker, and he said, this is what I'm ready for, and it was his choice, just like it was his choice to, to leave high school and go play juniors a year earlier, and he's made good decisions along the way, and we're, we're proud of him for that. Mike, how grateful are you of your employer, the University of Minnesota, having the flexibility to, to enjoy in person some of these moments along the way? I mean, we all remember the video of what you grabbing the beer and walking down the aisle there, his opening night, then being able to travel for some of the playoff games. I mean, that had to be really cool. Yeah, it's neat. I mean, you know, you're fortunate in these deals. I've worked with Don for a long time, and obviously you have Tom McGinnis in our department uh, who oversees our hockey program and under the direction of Mark Coyle. I mean, the, the people have been really good. I mean, I've gotten so many, you know, compliments and texts and emails from, you know, university people and, you know, in our business office to the administration to, you know, just the different uh, branches over there with compliance and facilities. I mean, it's just been remarkable. And people are, you know, they're just caught up with it. I mean, obviously, you know, you can identify with somebody you know, and I think people know, people knowing me, uh, knowing my son was going through it. I mean, they were just receptive and supportive and, um, even to the day, you know, yesterday, the turnout last night of seeing so many people there that, you know, are on our staff and are in our program and stuff. And that that's neat. I mean, we've got a chance to share it with them and could be a once in a lifetime opportunity for them. But we've had a few golfers that have had this experience and, and they've, you know, probably been able to share with that a little bit. But, you know, for us and our family, it meant a lot that people come out like, you know, the people I work with on a daily basis. I suppose there's really no off season for Jake, right? I mean, the season went so deep into June. I mean, I imagine you get a week or two to celebrate, but I imagine he's back on the ice already. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I mean, he took his three weeks off, which is probably a week longer than he did, but I think that was partly because the season did go so long, and usually when you get done and, you know, at the time he's in, I mean, that's about, you know, a month and a half into your training. So he he's probably a good two months behind this year, but – you know what, You nobody's ever going to go back and say, hey, I wish it worked out any different than what it did this year. He's going to have to make up with it in other ways and readjust his focus and his training. But he'll start to you know, do his stuff now and then get back on the ice here probably in the near future. But most of the time the guys are just strength training right now and building themselves up before they start really working on that teardown of what hockey and the conditioning can do to your body over the course of the year. But I just think he's got to get back to getting healthy and then getting stronger and then uh, getting in shape and then getting ready for camp. I mean, so there's certain steps and, you know, he's a locked in. He does the diet and he's into the nutrition and all the stuff that goes on and, you know, he takes pretty good care of himself. So I think that's what's helped him probably get to that level quicker than we all thought he could. A couple Gophers questions while I have you. 3M Arena at Mariucci, we were both at the announcement earlier in the week. I mean, I suppose it's an arms race now in college athletics. I mean, that's money that, that the university needs. And I presume, Mike, that most people will still call it Mariucci Arena. There's no question. I mean, it'll always be Mariucci to people. I mean, and everybody's going to use the short version, and it'll be Mariucci, and, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. And, you know, I think that that's the way the Mariucci family wanted I think that was certainly the way the administration wanted it uh, when they when they looked at these naming rights. And you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a total investment of what your athletic program needs to do, do, to do to be able to keep up and be successful. And we're not there yet, but I think the Beerman facility that's going through the renovation right now will be a game changer for our department and our high-end uh, revenue sports as well as our non-revenue sports. And it's just the way it is. And, you know, people are old school a little bit, but you look around i mean it goes on everywhere and you know the money will be going back to our student athletes and that's a good thing across the board with the number of sports that the university offers men's and women's wise specifically men's hockey what more do you guys need i mean you got the 
the brand new locker room last year, but there's still some some stuff that needs to take place with Mariucci Arena, right? Yeah, we're still in the process of making sure our investment was where it needs to be as far as, you know, where everybody else is going in their programs. And, you know, our team space last year that we finished in, in September and opened up for our current team and for our alumni to see uh, – is, is definitely a game changer for us. I mean, it's as nice uh, on facilities you've ever had, and it had, you know, Mariucci's 24 years old, and it had taken 23 years to build to do something for as far as changing the, the look of what we needed downstairs. But now we're into phase two, which is, you know, in November, you know, basically moving some walls and starting the renovation of the, of the locker room and the uh, – in the performance center for our players so we can work on some things from a, you know, advancement of our bodies and our skill level and things like that. So that, that process is going on. And, you know, once we get through this summer where our strength coach trains so many men and women athletes and there will, he'll, he will slow down. And at that point they will uh, start renovating that, uh, that area in November. And then that's going to be great. And then the last phase will be that, you know, we'll be able to add an alumni suite uh, along the press box in the near future. And then, push the boards in and add another 200 seats in Mariucci, which, uh, you know, will give us a little bit more of a standard facility as far as playing surface and then, you know, increasing you know, our attendance by 200 and hopefully creating more revenue across the board too. Mike, speaking of your of your strength coach, Cal Dietz, I mean, he's fantastic. I imagine Casey Middlestead, a year with Cal, will be able to do multiple push-ups. He'll be able to bench press, you name the weight. Plus, when I watch Casey on the ice, it seems like he's – pretty strong or relatively strong like his performance at the combine i sort of dismiss i figure he is going to get stronger over the next year there's no question i mean you know what uh, there's difference between being strong and having hockey strength there's there's just no question your balance and your edge work and you know having a you know strong hands and strong stick i mean Casey's got all those variables. I mean, he's very, very strong on his skates, and he's got tremendous hands, and his balance is good, and he's obviously learned to take hits because he's been such a high-end mark player over the years. So I don't have any question that uh, – and it's, I think it's a really good thing. I mean, in a lot of ways, people get like, God, I can't believe a 17-18-year-old kid can't do this, that, and whatever. But it also tells you when you look at his talents and look at where he was drafted and you look at what the – you know, basically with the comments we're after the development camp in Buffalo this week, tells you where his ability level is, and you just got to be that much more excited to realize that in two, three years with, you know, continued added strength and quickness and, you know, agility and, you know, first three-step movements, I mean, he, he's going to be that, that much more of a dynamic, explosive player, and he's got the work ethic and the willingness to be able to put in the time, and that, that is probably as much of the battle as anything. What's been the adjustment like with, with new assistant Scott Bell, who obviously you have a close relationship with? Well, Scotty's very enthusiastic. I mean, he's very connected, uh, you know, basically being a five-year scout with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he knows the, you know, the pro level. He knows the college people because he's got to deal with them on a regular basis. He knows the high school because he's got to go in and, and make relationships there and draft high school players, and he obviously knows the USHL and junior hockey. So he's very well connected. He had to interview a lot of prospects, so he had to go through a lot of coaches at different levels. And I think he's got the connections we need. I think he's got the enthusiasm. I mean, people say, well, gee, sometimes they want to pick, you know, at certain things. Scotty hasn't coached in five, six years. But let's not forget, when he was at Hamlin, they hadn't won a conference championship mm-hmm. in 40 years. Mm-hmm. And Scotty ended up leading the Pipers to a championship in the Mayak. So he's got the coaching background. He's got the, he's got the drive. He's got the connections, and he's really got a passion for the University of Minnesota and our alumni base. So I think there's a lot of good things that can help connect us to a lot of different areas and will enhance us. And then sometimes it's good to have 
freshness and a new new change and new ideas and you know maybe even look at us a little bit because he he holds himself very highly accountable and he will hold uh, our staff accountable as far as our adjustments and our continued process of improving and developing our student athletes and understanding what uh, it takes to get to the highest level and what you know those levels expect out of these kids so i think there's a lot of good things down the road for us mike always appreciate your time you have a wonderful weekend all right, Doogie, great. Thanks for coming out yesterday. Appreciate everything you do, and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right, bud. Take care. Had a few notes on Scoop Podcast episode 83 from earlier in the week. I guess some new stuff. There's all sorts of buzz about Royce Lewis. He's dominating down in the GCL in Fort Myers even after 12 or 13 games. Seems like he is too good for that level of competition. A lot of people saying, hey, it's time for Royce Lewis to move up. I ran that by a Twins official. He poo-pooed. He said, hey, what's the rush? There is no rush. Certainly no rush to get him to Cedar Rapids. I don't see Royce Lewis in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, low A before the year is over. I think that's more realistic in 2018. In fact, I'm sure Royce Lewis will be in Cedar Rapids in 2018. The Twins will officially decide on Bartolo Colon in 24 hours or so. The buzz remains that the more likely scenario is he starts for the Twins on Tuesday at Target Field against the Yankees compared to starting again for Rochester. Bottom line, Bartolo Colon will be up with the Twins very, very soon. Dylan G. talked about him in Scoop Podcast episode 83. He will make his start for Rochester this weekend. So he will, in all likelihood, push back the opt-out date. It's July 15th, so he'll push it back. More likely is he pushes it back to July 20th. But it could be pushed back a bit further. His camp looking for a little bit more clarification. Is there a chance for him to be the long man in the Twins' bullpen? Gophers basketball, the entire staff, Ed Conroy, Kamani Young, Ben Johnson, Richard Patino bouncing across the country, Milwaukee, South Carolina, watching Race Thompson, Matthew Hurt, Jalen Suggs. I believe he's in the Atlanta area. You have Hetchstrom from Hopkins. He is in Milwaukee. So they're bouncing all around, certainly watching Howard Pulley as well. They're at the Peach Jam. Anyway, the latest on a few guys, Jarvis Thomas of Orono. It seems to be down to Minnesota and Marquette. I do know the Gophers feel pretty good about their chances to land Jarvis Thompson, a good forward in the class of 2018. On Race Thompson, a source close to Indiana tells me, that he feels like race is more likely to land at Iowa State as opposed to Indiana, but he's not dismissing his chances. The sense I get is race is absolutely open to leaving the state and that it's a three-horse race. It's Iowa State, it's Indiana, and it's Minnesota. Don't necessarily dismiss Minnesota's chances, but I do know that both Iowa State and Indiana feel relatively good about their chances. But again, a source close to Indiana says, hey, he feels a little bit better about Iowa State's chances than Indiana's. On Matthew Hurt, he continues to have the top coaches in the country watch him. He's 2019, though, so there's no rush on his front. Obviously, he'll watch closely. He did watch closely last year. He'll continue to watch closely how his older brother Michael is used by the Gophers. That will influence greatly whether Matthew Hurt decides ultimately to be a Gopher or play for one of the Blue Bloods. On Gabe Kausher, I continue to hear that the Gophers are sitting pretty with the sharpshooter from D. LaSalle. On Trey Jones, for the longest time, I got the sense that UCLA had a real chance, but he is very, very unlikely to land at UCLA. All signs, or at least just about every sign, points to Trey Jones 
being a Duke Blue Devil, but the Gophers continue to try. You might even say the Gophers are number two on his list, but I'm just saying keep an eye on Duke for Trey Jones. On the Vikings, I'll say this. Joe Schmidt, my colleague, my boss at Channel 5, is just back from Mike Zimmer's ranch in Kentucky, just outside of Cincinnati. I think what I'll do is I'm back in town on Thursday afternoon, the 20th of July. I think what I'll do is, for Scoop Podcast episode 85, I'll do a portion of a conversation with Joe, assuming I can book him, but I think I can. I'll do a portion of the podcast with Joe so he can go through his entire day with Mike Zimmer. He got all sorts of great stuff from Zimmer about the 2017 Vikings, some stuff that Zimmer has not said before. But instead of me spilling the guts, I think it's better to have Joe explain and lay it all out since he's the one who spent the day with Mike Zimmer. So I think what I'll do is I will aim for Joe Schmidt to be part of Scoop Podcast episode 85. Then we'll do the back portion of Scoop Podcast 85 at Vine Park Brewery on Friday afternoon, the 21st of July. We finished Scoop Podcast 84 with my sit-down conversation with Bruce Boudreaux. Spent about 20 minutes with Bruce Boudreaux on Wednesday afternoon, about 15 of it. Was an on-the-record conversation, so let me play that. We go down all sorts of roads. The Wild are still in the market for a forward or two, but it sounds like they will wait and see what Granlund, what Niederreiter, what Felino slot in at, then figure out how much money they have left. But whether it's Stafford, certainly they would take Matt Cullen, potentially Hendricks. There are some forwards they still have an interest in, but they know a lot of those guys will still be on the market, whether it's in a few weeks, right before training camp, there is no rush. Anyway, here's my conversation with Wild Head Coach Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce, as you have had time for, what, two and a half months now to analyze, microanalyze, who knows, overanalyze the way the season ended. Is there a little bit of satisfaction now with the reflection? Not as much frustration? I mean, heck, you can make a case that in, what, four of the games against St. Louis, you guys outplayed them. Yeah, and from that part, you know, um, I still believe that. I've watched the games over and over again to see if I'm um, full of crap or nothing. It just, you know, when you when you see it. But in the end, I thought we were the better team, but we didn't we didn't win. And I think in the end, that's all that uh, both us and people and everybody think about is who won, who lost. And uh, so we lost. So we got to do better. And uh, but uh, I, I, you do a lot of reflection of the previous year and. Uh, I'll never be satisfied until the ultimate victory is there. But uh, I mean, from October to March, we were the, if not the best team in the league, we we're at, at least in the top two. And so, with that being, you know, you, the biggest thing you reflect on and try to try to overcome is is why did we have a bad March? Why did we um, lose out in the first round? Those are the two questions that if we could answer and correct, then I think all of a sudden we're, uh, we're, we're going places. Uh, those situations that we want to happen might, might come true one day. I mean, do you have good answers for the why? I have, I have uh, excuses, and I don't know if the, but in the end, they're just excuses on why things happened. You, you know, I mean, you know, 20 games in 35 days in March and um, uh, no rest. Uh, Doobie, who had been the best goalie in the National League for, by far in the in the first five months, all of a sudden struggled in March. Was it be because we didn't? Cumps uh, uh, wasn't. Uh, I didn't have faith in Cumps to put him in, in in the backup, and we, we overused Doobie. Uh, uh, guys went into scoring slumps that hadn't been in scoring slumps. Uh, uh, you know, like I mean, 
Koivun uh, scored, I think, one goal in the last 25 games. Niederreiter went the last 20 games without a goal uh, until April. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, did I overwork them? Did I not overwork them? Did I not give them enough work? So these are the things you think of and, and you hope to correct by, by next year. So uh, that, those are the things I think of every day. Are you also thinking, though, of the positives October to March? I mean, you guys oh, went yeah. like no. a four or five month stretch where you did not lose back to back games in regulation. Yeah. You were top 10, penalty kill, power play. We I mean, were top go up five. We were top five. Yeah. At March 1st, we were number one in power play in the league and number three or four or two or three or four in penalty killing, number one in goals against, and we ended up number two in, in goals for. And that's what makes it weird is that we scored more goals in, in March and April than we had the whole previous uh, five months on average, and yet we were losing games. Uh, uh, it's funny when you talk analytics. Our analytics in October to March was we were 25th, 26th in the league. And in March and April, we were one, number one, but it didn't correlate to, to uh, wins and losses. So all these things you, you think of, but in the end, uh, you've got to find out the excuses. Instead of making excuses, correct those things and, and make sure the team is, is good and hungry to get out of the gate again. On Dubnik, I mean, is the correction there just to get him more rest throughout the whole regular I, season? You know, I think there's a lot of, lot of things. We, we d he, but he's used to playing a lot, and he doesn't want a lot more rest. Um, but uh, uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that works. You know, uh, sometimes working the goaltenders is all on feel, and uh, uh, so uh, you know. But I mean, I assume he's going to play. You know, between 55 and 60 games again this year, uh, hoping that he doesn't touch wood that nothing happens to him. But he's a tremendous goalie, and when he's on, we 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 totally believe in him. How thin is the line between winning and losing in the playoffs? Like I was watching, like you almost ended up in Ottawa, right? Yeah. Like I'm watching their roller coaster of a postseason. Like it was so close for them and they keep moving on. And I get it, Eastern Conference, Western Conference, but mm. it just seems like the line between winning and losing is so thin. In this sport, I mean, uh, and I don't want to downgrade any other sport, but you look at the NBA in the playoffs, Teams were sweeping all over the place, and, and and as Charles Barkley said, it wasn't anywhere near the excitement that the NHL was. Mm -hmm. And I believe the parity in the NHL has gotten to the point that um, a break here and a break there is, makes the difference between winning and losing. But again, when you talk about bad breaks and losing, then you're just making an excuse again. And I got to keep everybody, including myself, away from making those excuses. We, we just got to get it done. The ones you miss by one inch. You know, I mean, because it's easy to sit here and say, man, if Charlie Coyle's stick hadn't have broken in the overtime in game one, we win that game, and nobody's thinking about anything else. But it, so you don't use that. We lost the game. We got to find a way during the regular, uh, during the, the non-overtime at that point. We, you know, we had 45 shots uh, before overtime. I think we ended up with 51 or 52. But you got to find a way to score those goals and to pay that price. And, and uh, when you do that, there's reasons Pittsburgh always came back, uh, never lost, uh, you know, didn't lose two in a row, um, as you said, for the same reasons that we did at the beginning of the season. And that's all character. And uh, uh, we've got a lot of great character. We've got to be a little harder on ourselves going in and, and not accept uh, uh, things like when you're going great through October through, say, February, just sort of take it take it all in stride because it's a it's a 
it's not a sprint, it's a, it's a complete marathon, and you've got to be good the whole way through. And the Western Conference isn't slowing down. I mean, you look at Dallas, for example, a non-playoff team. I mean, the moves they've made, you would think they're a playoff team next year, right? Well, you would think, you know, the moves everybody made, it seems like, and I'm probably wrong because I'm focused more on the Central Division, but um, <laughs> it seems everybody that was a free agent was in the Central Division, you know? I mean, um, Nashville made upgrades, and uh, Dallas for sure made upgrades, and you look at St. Louis getting players, and Chicago getting players, and you're going, okay, you know, we got to beat all these guys, you know? And, and, and I'm sure there's, I know there was other teams that did the same thing, but uh, I, you focus on the Central Division. But you guys made some additions. Oh, no. I mean, like a guy like Felino is going to help, right? Like, I you think, need that in that presence, I, right? I think Felino and Ennis are going to really help us. I mean, uh, uh, and I think guys like Olafson and O'Reilly are, are, are ready to play full-time in the NHL. No, I think we, we did great. I think Felino is a, has a big, rugged, six-foot-three, 220-pound forward is, that can skate is going to be a real attribute. And uh, I think Tyler Ennis is a guy that uh, I really, not in size or stature, but liken him so much to Eric Stahl's career in that the last year, two years, Tyler's been hurt and had two bad years uh, statistically. But before that, he was an elite player for the Sabres. And where Eric went through the same thing, I mean, he had couple bad years, whatever the reasons were. And then um, when we got him, I mean, he excelled. Now I think Tyler's ready to jump into that same boat. On stall, is he doing okay? I mean, he had the oh, concussion. Yeah. Is, no. he, is he good to go? I mean, when I was here a lot in June and, uh, uh, and, and Eric came in every day and, and was training and by the time he left, his concussion symptoms were completely gone. And, you know, and then you, you don't think about it, but that was a big miss. In, in game five too, you know, like when you lose him halfway through the second period. But again, we don't think about it and we want to use it as an excuse. But he was he was playing extremely well that game before he got hurt. You'll certainly miss some guys. Let's go down the list. I mean, how much will you miss Marco Scandella? You know, he was a solid player. I mean, we're going to miss him. Um, there's no doubt, but that's when one, one spot, I'm a firm believer, when one spot leaves, whoever takes his place has got to be as good as him. I mean, I, I still think we've we kept our top four defensemen. And there's not too many teams that, that have that top four that we have of the mobility and the puck moving ability that these guys have. So we're going to miss Marco, but to get something good, you have to give up something good. There's just, you know, in, in, in today's day and age, unless you, if you're making a real hockey trade and, and you, you take Weber for Subban, they needed two different kinds of players and it's a, it's a, it's a good hockey trade and you're, you're trading good players but you're getting good players back. Johansson um, for the defenseman in, uh, that was uh, in Columbus. Jones, yeah. Jones, you know, I mean, the, the same kind of thing. So, I mean, if we wanted to get uh, uh, those two forwards who we believe could be solidly in the top nine, that uh, we have to give up something good. And, I mean, Palmerville's the same way. He was a good player. I mean, um, and he did good for us, and he was a good teammate. Uh, but we got a little bit younger in, in this situation, and I thought we needed to, or not me, I mean, Chuck thought we needed to get a little bit younger, and I totally agree with him. How much will you miss Eric Hala? I mean, he was a very um, usable player, you know, and again, um, we lose him, but you think that a guy like Eric Sinek can come in and do the job he did. Like, we really like Eric. Uh, speed, uh, good character guy, doing all of these things, but I mean, again, um, was there enough room if we wanted to move Coyle to center and you got Stahl, you got 
Koivu, you got Eric Sinek. I mean, was there enough room for Eric Hall? Maybe, maybe there wasn't, you know? Um, so, I mean, these are decisions you have to make, and, and, and uh, you know, everybody looks at their team and sees what they're going to get, and this is what we thought. Mikhail Granlund will eventually be back here, maybe on a long-term contract. 26 goals. Can, can he go to another level? Is there another I level so. to Granlund's game? I think, yeah, I think he, you know, him, uh, Miko and Zuck were the best line in hockey uh, maybe up to March, and then they, they started to struggle. Maybe got a little tired, but I think, I think with the World Cup, had a little bit to do with that, and, and then teams started really, um, I wouldn't say picking on him, but knowing that he was around, you know, where he was sort of a hidden gem before. But uh, uh, he's going to be back. I think he'll be better than ever. I mean, uh, you know, he better be back. <laughs> I'm going right to Sweden and, or Finland and pulling him over here. But uh, uh, so... We look forward to him and Nino coming back, and these guys are still young. They haven't. I always thought the prime of your life in hockey was when you were 26, 27, 28, and 29, and these guys are just reaching that area. So hopefully that their pinnacle of, of greatness wasn't last year, but they're just starting to find where, where they are in, in, the, in the hockey world. All right, so based on those ages, a guy like Zach Parisi then is multiple well, years beyond that Well, prime. he's multiple years, but Zach's work ethic is is beyond reproach and um, you know I, I think Zach will be the first one to tell you that he, he had an off year in Zach's mind with 19 goals last year and and knowing his character he's working probably so hard this summer to get back to where he is and and that's uh, uh, that's you know a real compliment to him because you know how much he tries how much he cares and how hard he's gonna work so I firmly believe uh, that Zach is a young 32 we talked about Felino and, and Ennis and additions. Last time I checked, it's not like opening night is tomorrow. Like, there's still some free agents available. Are you guys oh, still yeah. chasing a player or two? Well, I, I think, you know, right now we've still only got uh, uh, basically 10, uh, 10 NHL forwards uh, signed. So, I mean, uh, I, I think there's room for a couple more at this stage. I mean, uh, uh, we've done a good job, or I think Chuck and, and Brent have done a good job uh, of supplying good good players to Iowa this year so there should be some pretty good call-ups in, in any situation and but I, I, I gotta believe that there's uh, there's gonna there's some a lot of good players that don't have contracts yet and you see it every year but it's getting more and more and come July and August uh, sporadically they will have signed with some teams and and they're good players and uh, I don't I don't think um, by any stretch that uh, uh, we're, we're not going to be looking at these guys. I mean, do you hop on the phone? Are you like a recruiter? Will you call some of these free agents and say, hey, you know, no. have you thought about Minnesota? My, no, no, I don't do any of that. But my job is to subliminally make suggestions <laughs> that hopefully Chuck takes. <laughs> Bruce, my understanding is you're not just Coach Bruce Boudreau. You are now owner oh, Bruce Boudreau. You know what? It's it's a it's it's funny because when you're growing up after playing and everything, it's something you always think about, and uh, it came along so innocently. But uh, I thought uh, it was great. I mean, we're in uh, where we are situated in in hockey, hockey valley sort of thing. That uh, and when we started talking about it, Crystal and I and and Jay Witta, who's uh, uh, the general manager and coach. I mean, there's a void. Um, from high, there's great high school hockey, and then there's pro hockey, and then what happens to the kids that are 
done high school hockey but don't get to play Division One or Division Three, and their local guys are still good hockey players. Mm -hmm. I mean, Charlie Coyle started in this league. So we, uh, when we started to inquire about it, it seemed very doable. And then I asked, you know, us for permission uh, uh, if I could get my name involved with it. But I mean, it, my wife and Jay Witt are going to be doing most of it. I'm just, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to be just uh, watching the scores and hopefully we'll do good. So, but I'm very excited that, you know, Coon Rapids is, is going to be the place where it is. And it's, uh, it's a, there's a hockey hotbed. They've received it so well right now. And, and I, and going to a couple of my son's games last year in, in the same type of league, I thought the hockey was a, a lot better than I would have anticipated it to be. So I think it'll be exciting for the people uh, that go see games up there. And so your son Brady, he'll, Brady, he'll play goalie for, Brady for, will be for one of the goalies. For the yeah. yeah, he'll be one of the goalies and that's going to be great. And you know, I mean, uh, they got uh, tryouts on July 29th and 30th uh, at, at Coon Rapids, which is going to be, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get enough kids coming out and wanting to play and uh, I mean they've signed a couple kids from Europe so it's not like it's is you're just looking for um, players I mean they got some pretty good players Jay is, is, has recruited so I, I think some pretty good players will come to the tryouts and I think we'll end up having a pretty good team will you at least be hands-on when it comes to the tryouts will you be on the ice well, I, I won't be hands I won't be on the ice that's Jay's job I'll be there watching I'll be talking to the kids and uh, um, you know, so uh, it'll be fun to watch, and and from a different perspective as a as a coach uh, to somebody that's uh, maybe uh, an owner. I guess I am, but um, it uh, it's going to be fun. I mean, you might have to make a tough decision or two somewhere along well, the way. That's when I go, Jay. It's your team here. Uh, you you do the, you do the decision making. I'm uh, because if you make the mistake, it's not my butt. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I needed, Bruce. Thank you. That was a fun conversation with Wild Head Coach Bruce Boudreau, owner of the Minnesota Blue Ox, a junior team that will begin play in the fall in Coon Rapids. On Boudreau, he's heading back to Toronto for a couple weeks, and he'll be back here for the tryouts for the Blue Ox on July 29th and July 30th, and head back to Canada in early August for his annual camp. A few other notes, specifically on the Wolves, I will get to in a second. But first, more love for Vine Park Brewery. They sponsor the Scoop Podcast. They are great friends of the Scoop Podcast. Online, vinepark.com. They're in downtown St. Paul, right off West 7th Street, right by the XL Energy Center. You can brew your own beer, and the kicker is you can brew your own wine. Give them a try, whatever recipe that you like, I guarantee they have it. They've been doing this for a number of years. So we know how popular craft beer is here in the Twin Cities. They are among the innovators when it comes to making your own beer. Vine Park Brewing, vinepark.com. Please check them out. All right, on the Wolves, some leftover notes. Bano Udrick is another point guard the Wolves have had some conversations about. They absolutely have had conversations about C.J. Watson, but I'm told no official offer extended to Watson, Aaron Brooks, Ty Lawson. Those are some of the point guards they've had conversations about. Also on the Wolves, credit to Basketball Insiders. believe it was Basketball Insiders that first brought up the name Allen Anderson. Yet another wing they've checked on. I can confirm that report. Minneapolis's own, the alum of D. LaSalle High School, former Michigan State Spartan. He's been in the NBA for a long time. The Wolves have touched base 
on the Allen Anderson front. The Wolves free agent news never stops, even though the heavy lifting is clearly done. I mean, for the most part, they are done. But whoever they sign in terms of a backup point guard, or at least somebody that competes with Tyus Jones, will have a chance to play some minutes. If they add a Luke Bamute or a different wing type, an Allen Anderson, a Gerald Green, that player will have a chance to play a few minutes. Appreciate you listening. That does it for Scoop Podcast, episode 84. We will be back late next week, taking a few days off. Have to unwind. Going to spend some quality time with the older son. Always appreciate you listening. Thank you so much.